Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Hey, what's good? It's me, Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. And today I'm extremely excited because I get to introduce you to and share with you one of my oldest and dearest friends of all time, my friend, my mentor, and my teacher for well over three decades now. John Lewis Parker is an award-winning and Grammy-winning musician, producer, songwriter, and he scores movies. The guy does it all. And as well, he's, he's what I call, you've heard me say it before, a megapreneur. And a megapreneur is anybody that not only finds success in one area of their life, but they're able to use those skills that they've learned from that into other areas of their lives. And they're successful at that as well. John is a uh, incredible man. He's an incredible husband, father. He's been married for 52 years to the same wonderful, amazing woman, Joan. As a grandfather and, and uh, a father, as well as, and he's going to talk a little bit about that today, he accredits a lot of his <clears throat> success through time and what he's done to something that he calls mindful meditation. And uh, that's another thing that he has done as a megapreneur. One of the greatest things about him, this man has an incredible heart, and he shares those tools and tips with other people. I've had the privilege of having John on stages of mine internationally in uh, Marbella, Spain, and in, in Switzerland, and around the world. And so it is my pleasure to share with you my dear, dear friend, John Lewis Parker. Johnny, how are you doing? Good, Joseph. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Thanks for being on the cast. My pleasure. So how is it out there? How are you getting through all this stuff? Yeah, we're out here in uh, what they call Canyon Country. That's actually the name of the city, just above Los Angeles. And it's beautiful here. And I'm glad that... Uh, I enjoy my house because we're in it yeah, <laughs> and we're in our yard and, and that's it. Yeah. You but know, I, I watch a lot and I, I see a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people who are sequestered in a small two bedroom apartment and I feel for you. <laughs> and which by the way, with everybody, you know, whenever you're listening to this, cause this could be, you know, two, three years down the road, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 sequestration and all those things. And our hearts go out to any and everybody that is suffering. And, um, you know, a lot of people are going a little bit crazy. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But Johnny, you've been amazingly successful and you've been instrumental in some of the successes in my life. Uh, I call you my mentor and my teacher through the years. And so the question I have for you first is, you know, because you were mega successful before I met you. But the question I have is, why you? <laughs> you know, what is it about you that you were able to find success especially in the music industry, which during those times was crazy, you know, a lot of competition, but why you? Well, 
in my early days and ongoing, it was pure fear. Really? Yes. You know, I, <laughs> I was so afraid that I wouldn't have any money and I was so immature that I wouldn't do anything but music, which was kind of guaranteeing that I wouldn't have any money, <laughs> that, <laughs> that I would just work like crazy. And uh, it got me tremendous consistency after a while. It took mm. a, a long time to get it going. But it also kind of got me quite ill, you know, mm -hmm. in my body and all of that. And so I needed to figure out a way to survive and perhaps enjoy some part of it, of the journey, uh, which I was enjoying because I loved music and I was doing exactly what I wanted. But I was also so fearful and so scared the, most of the time that I wasn't really enjoying it. I remember you, you saying that. And by the way, I didn't get to read this to everybody. I just want to give you an example of how big this monster is. Because, John, with all your fear and all the stuff that you, uh, you moved away from during those times, this man has touched millions and millions of people's lives. And I'm actually going to play a piece of one of your mega, mega hits by Chicago. Uh, before I do, I want to share with you some of the people that uh, John has worked with. Uh, obviously, Chicago, Celine Dion, Dolly Parton, Bonnie Raitt. Jackson Brown, Keb Moe, Taj Mahal, Roseanne Cash, Sheena Easton, Peter Soteri. And listen, this goes on and on. And if you're looking at this online, you can see this. There's uh, quite a substantial list of people there that this man has worked with. And so I'm going to play a piece of one of my favorite songs. And if you've heard this song before, which you probably have at some point, think back on when was the first time you heard this song. And so this is a Hard Habit to Break uh, by Chicago. I'm just going to play a piece of it. Now Takes a lot of getting used to She learned to live with it But I don't want to be without you Cause I would be a mistake Instead of getting easier It's the hardest thing to take I'm addicted to you, babe You're a hard habit to break You found yeah, I'd love to play the whole song, but you get the feeling. And John, I remember you telling me years ago, and I asked you, John, what was it like, you know, to you know be a part of that? Because that's part of history. That song was and is has been an, an international hit for years and years. And uh, I said, what was that like? And I remember you telling me, you said when you got the recording of it after the, they mixed it and everything, and they sent you a recording of it, you said your your hands were shaking and you listened to it. And you said to me, and I, I didn't understand it at the time, but you said, I listened to it and I thought, if this isn't a hit, then I don't know what is, and I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and of course it was. Do you remember telling me that? Yeah. And, you know, that's an example of the fear. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that, you know, because you have only so many chances where you can hit it right, you know, and I knew we hit it right then. So, yeah, I absolutely remember that. 
Well, share with us a little bit, if you will, because these are crazy times that we're going through right now. And you and I are both old enough to remember that we've gone through a bunch of crazy times and, um, you know, things that have pulled you through. And I know you've also had some health challenges. I have as well, but you've gone through some, maybe some recent health challenges. And as you said before, you know, you've had health challenges in the past and it was maybe a result of your work habits, if you will. And I will attest to that. You used to work me like a rented mule. <laughs> when I first met John, you know, I've got a, a strong work ethic myself, but it was nothing like this, man. I remember, you know, when I met John, he took me under his wing and uh, produced and helped me learn to be a songwriter and write some songs and everything. And what he would do is I lived about maybe 30 miles away from John and I'd show up at his house at like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. And I had to show up there with a song in the morning. And the song I had to have written that evening, and I'd show up at John, I'd be really excited about it. Here, John, here's this. And John would take that song <laughs> and tear it apart. And he'd go, okay, well, listen, you know, that works, but this doesn't, this doesn't. And I'd, I'd put my guts into it. And then we'd work all day till like, you know, three, four, five o'clock, you know, when the kids would come home, I, then I'd go back home and I'd set my studio up and I'd do it again. And I had to show up the next day with that. And because of that work ethic, you know, we, we made some great songs. And John, thanks for sending those songs over. He sent a, a few songs over a little while ago. But share with us a little bit about this thing that you call mindful meditation and how that's helped you through the years. And maybe how other people, by grasping this concept and maybe doing something about it, can get some relief <clears throat> and some progress in their lives, especially in these times. Well, you know, Joseph, like things have gotten real with this COVID yeah. virus. And the dream is over. If it showed us anything, it's that everything we believed in, you know, from eating at restaurants, going to the beach, visiting your grandparents, to America itself, everything is impermanent. And it can be gone in an instant. Our life and our family and money, health, all our stuff, everything can just be gone. And uh, the point I'm trying to make connecting it to meditation is that that's always been true. Yes. But what we do is we stick our head in the sand and we live each day sort of hiding from the fact that we know that, you know, you read about somebody, the plane crashes into their house, you know, anything can happen at any time. So people live in that fear. And I was living in that fear because I wanted everything to stay the same, stay static, yeah, yeah. stay good. And you know, when we get up every day, we believe that what we're going through is reality. But are we really seeing it clearly? Today, a, a person listening might say that their life is great. And uh, tomorrow, that same person will say their life is, is horrible. And so what changed so quickly? You know, two people will go to a party and one said, oh, this is the greatest party in the world. And the other one's going, this is the worst party I've ever seen. Right, sure. The difference is, is that the mood that they're in, everything is constantly changing. And we don't like to think about it, that our lives can change any moment. And our reality changes depending on our mood or our perspective, because it's all in our mind. So the same party, same world, two people approach it differently. Joseph approaches it like it's a, a birthday cake. And I was approaching it when I was younger, like it was hell on earth, even though I was getting everything I wanted. Right, right. You know, so, and, you know, we strive for these things like the house and the car and the mate, 
and the job and the kids and the promotion, the honors. We do everything we can to do to win. And what do we do when we win? We raise the bar. So now we're not satisfied. And deep inside all along, like I said, we always knew that our stuff can be gone in an instant. But we keep pursuing things that are impermanent. All those things can be gone in an instant. And we already know they can't satisfy us. And it's a crazy, crazy way to live. Well, John, this uh, is exactly sorry. how we live. Yeah. So do you think that people consciously know it can't satisfy us? Because I agree with you unconsciously that everybody knows that. But do you think they consciously know that and are approaching things going, well, this is going to go away as well? Or are they hypnotized by, you know, media or whatever that says, you know, this will make you happy and this is going to be permanent. If you reach this level right now, then everything is going to change. And or are they just not even thinking beyond when they get what they want? Well, you know, as the Beatles said, money can't buy me love. You know, and we find out, I believe people consciously and unconsciously know. But in order to not think about it, you have shopaholics, workaholics, alcoholics, all the holics, (laughs) (laughs) which is the title of my new album. All the holics. All the holics. But, But that's why, you know, people hide in sports. They, they kill at a soccer game. Literally, yeah, yeah, like it's, you know, this insanity or stick up for, you know, this political thing or that political thing. And the entertainment industry, I made money off it because people want to hear that song, you know, to, uh, you know, make them feel mild. They want to go to that sports event. So all the whole entertainment industry and TV and movies, music, everything, sports, everything is geared to helping you to forget what we know is true. And we just walk around hoping that everything stays in the status quo. Nothing's going to change, you know, but people die. We get sick. No one that I know can go through life unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. So what do they do? Tell us a little bit about what you've done, because I've known you for a long time. You've always done something that, you know, I'm going to label it, which you've already labeled it, this mindful meditation of some sort. Yeah, I started doing that many years ago, like 40 or some odd years ago, because like I said originally, like I knew that I couldn't maintain this feeling in my mind and the ability to keep going and to produce what I needed to produce out of all that fear and all of that. So I began to meditate many years ago. And when I got two other guys in my local band to meditate, it just seemed happenstance, but this guy named Papa John Creech, he was an electric violinist, walked into our studio by mistake. We were in a little storefront in the ghetto. You know, we were uh, rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing. He walked in and four days later, we were playing San Diego Stadium for, you know, 100,000 people with Yoko Ono and John Lennon. And John Lennon was there. he didn't play, and uh, Jimmy Smith and all of these great artists. So I didn't know if, you know, I got a reward or something like that. I sort of had attributed it to meditating. But later on, I realized that it probably wasn't that. But what happened was we got encouraged by that, and we all kept meditating. And because of that, we were able to kind of 
create a career. And we were making albums for RCA. We were learning about the record business from the inside out. Whereas a week ago, we were just sitting there, you know, watching them change the, the advertisements on a, in the storefronts across the street. And from that, I continued and I would base each day on the practice that, you know, I'll give uh, my email address later, the practice that I can teach anyone that's interested. And, uh, you know, I just maintained that practice for all these years. And what it did was put me in a frame of mind that I'll explain using something I'd like to teach. Can I teach yeah, please, uh, something please right and, now? And by the way, if you're watching me, you're watching us right now, I am going to put this up on uh, the screen right now so everybody can see it. And this is how you would you would reach John. Uh, if you're listening, he'll tell you here a little bit later. And John, yes, please, yes. That's what this show is all about. Cure for the common life. There's nothing wrong with common. But if you aspire to be, do, and have more, then that's something that is uncommon. Everybody wants it, but not everybody aspires and does something about it. So please teach us something. And before you do, though, if you would, would you share with everybody, because you have a definition of what meditation is. And the reason I say this is because meditation to some people, maybe not people that are listening to this call or listening to this podcast, but a lot of people think, ah, meditation, it's, it's unicorns and crystals and you know rainbows and things like that. And um, what is meditation before you go into this? Meditation is a process to find out exactly what you're thinking right now. It's as simple as that. Beautiful. It's not religious. It's not all that kind of stuff. What it is, is just what am I thinking right now? And if you can understand what you're thinking, instead of like, for instance, maybe if I'm pissed off, let's say I'm pissed off, being ensconced in a pissed off mood is one thing, but stepping back and seeing your mind and realizing you're pissed off is a whole different mindset. In one instance, you're in it and you can't tell you're just pissed off. In another instance, and what meditation has done for me is automatically, whatever mood I'm in or whatever I'm thinking or whatever I'm doing, because of my practice, my mind automatically sees that and knows what it's thinking and what it's doing. Our minds are like uh, little dictators and what they're saying isn't necessarily true. Yeah. So. The fact that our minds are telling us just anything and that the thoughts, our thoughts and emotions aren't necessarily true is maybe something revolutionary that nobody's realized. So you're either in it or objective to it. And the secret of my success, if there's any, if I have success, is that is the objectivity, you know, to who I am, to how good or bad that song is that I'm writing to how I'm dealing with people and my ability to understand them instead of reacting to them, responding to them instead mm -hmm. of reacting to everything in my environment, responding out of intelligence, out of knowing, as opposed to just bang. Right. You know, instead of it being habitual, it becomes yeah. something that you have a choice and you can choose one or the other. Exactly. Would, would you say that that also is the practice of making yourself consciously aware of your thoughts in any given That's moment why, as yes. well? Yeah. That's why it's called awareness or mindfulness. You're mindful or you're aware of what you're thinking. And originally, 
when I thought about this, I, you know, when I realized what it was, I was like, well, geez, do I really want to be as in that kind of being like a robot or something? You just know what you're thinking all the time. I'd like rather space out and just kind of be, <laughs> be cool, you know? And no, it's the most relaxing thing yeah, there yeah. is mm-hmm. and, and gives you the most confidence in who you are and what you're doing is actually knowing what your motivation is and how you're thinking. So the practice of meditation and the practice I'll show you now, the art of pausing is for just that. It's to show you what your mind is doing in the moment so that it becomes second nature so much so that you immediately all day long, moment by moment, wake up and know what you're thinking and know who you are. And it's just a natural way of it being. It becomes, yeah, the way you are. Well, so if you're driving, obviously you you uh, don't want to write this down, but if you're able to right now, and I hope you're doing this already, I should have said this at the top of the show, is uh, to take some notes because I am a benefactor of uh, John's teachings and thousands and thousands of other people are as well. So John, please share that with us. When I meditate in the morning, I might sit there for anywhere from 20 minutes to a half hour to 40 minutes, whatever I choose, till I feel satisfied that I'm ready to face everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But during the day, that's pretty impractical. You, you know, if you're talking to your boss or, you know, you're somewhere, you can't go, wait a minute, I'm just going to go meditate and I'll come back and answer that question. But what you can do is what I call and what I've learned, a practice that's a known practice, but that I've kind of perfected called the art of pausing. So I've sort of appropriated the various stop techniques that Joseph has. So stop, using the letters S-T-O-P. So S would be to stop wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And before I even say that, I'd like to say that what I did and what I've done is originally when I was training myself in this, is I would set my phone to go off every half hour or every yeah, hour. Yeah. Uh-huh. And when it went off, I would do this technique and it, it would do it all day. And then eventually it just became part of me. So S in stop was stop whatever you're doing. So you could do that mid sentence to somebody and just kind of be standing there and you can do exactly what I'm going to tell you right now. The T is take a breath. So you stop, you take a breath. And you observe your mind, you know, like the taking of the breath gives you a moment where you can observe your mind. And when you do that, you're saying, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? You know, and if you're thinking like, well, God, I wish I was out of here. Gosh, I hate this person or, oh my, you know, whatever it is that you're thinking, you'll realize it. And then the P is so always for observe and the P is proceed. Just move on with your day. And what Joseph would say in that is reward yourself, you know, praise, and you can praise. do that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, like give your uh, nervous system a, a reward. When you pause and access your breath, you wake up and you hear your internal dialogue. Your mind is forever spinning. And so what happens when you meditate or when you pause in the pausing, art of pausing, is you see and hear your spinning mind. You know, like uh, everybody knows they have songs going through their mind and all different things are going on. And because the mind produces thoughts, like the mouth produces saliva, the thoughts 
are, like I said before, like dictators and aren't necessarily true. Old tapes and stories, your internal dialogue or self-talk is, you know, things we've been taught maybe by a teacher or a parent or a gym teacher once told me, you're no good. You know, you can't, you know, you're a bad athlete. You know, and I'd always, you know, these things would ruminate in my mind, but I wouldn't realize it. Or maybe even my parents saying stuff I didn't like. You'll never make it. Don't be a musician. You know, all of that stuff that put a lot of pressure on me. And I didn't realize I was thinking these things. So rather than through the haze of my habitual thoughts and emotions, I began to see them and respond instead of react. I was so valuable. So So my life's trajectory began to take a different trajectory. In other words, moment by moment where I would have screwed up right here, I didn't. And it went up. And where I would have screwed up right here, I didn't. And I went up a little. Kind of unnoticeable little steps. But my trajectory in uh, why I've been married over 50 years, why I have two great kids, you know, that are also in humanitarian endeavors, uh, doing well, why my music career did well, all of those things I attribute, you know, to this trajectory up, 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 up. It's simply having a choice to not to be consumed by your thoughts and habitual emotions, you know, but, you know, to be in control of your mind more and more become master of your mind, letting it master you. And as you do that, you make better choices and your life improves. And as it improves, you have more time and energy. And as that happens, you have more happiness and less stress. And finally, like a deeper understanding and of your life and your purpose in life. I hope everybody gets how how impactful this can be and will be in your life. And, you know, on some level, we all do it. We just do it slower. You know, this is a way, in my opinion, of, of speeding up the process and doing what we call further faster. I know you want to share something with us, John, with regard to, to something that you wanted to share with us. You were going to uh, tell us a little bit about that process. Well, yeah, you know, it was this art of pausing. And the fact that the meditation practice that I do is that on steroids, you know, because when you can be in that frame of consciousness, you know, where you're totally relaxed, you're able to have tremendous insights. They jump out at you like a whale coming out of like a like the surface of the water, and then all of a sudden, boom. And some of those insights have steered my life tremendously in, in, in a great direction. You know, so, and the techniques that you teach, Joseph, that supercharge one's life, they work even better. Wouldn't they work even better if a person really knew who they were and what they were thinking? Absolutely. And that is a huge part of it. Thank you for saying that, John, is our identity, which is what you're talking about. It's like who we are. It's the strongest need that we have is to remain consistent with how we describe ourselves. And so this is a way of really kind of seeing, I know it has been for me, you know, and as I said before, John has come to our stages and our programs and things. And it's not just about wowing an audience. I get to watch him give these gifts and these tools and take people through a process where they get it. You know, it's not just, you know, hearing the words, but they get it. And John, so in these final moments, if you will, I want you to do two things. I'm going to ask you a question 
And then I'm going to ask you to share how people can get a hold of you. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, of course, we're in the midst of all this stuff. So live things are not, you know, we're not doing events and things like that. But please contact this man. And I know, you know, you can share some things with them through that. And learn this practice for yourself because it does enhance things around. And I'll say this, you know, you're a little uh, a little different than me, John, in terms of giving credit and saying that maybe that was what made uh, the guy walk into your studio and those changes. I say that if a miracle happens and you're within 50 feet, claim responsibility. And so, <laughs> and yeah, I so, kind of know it. We yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so, know you know, I, I'm not shy about that. I believe that we all have the ability to influence the world around us as well. So, so the question I want to ask, well, first off, how do they get a hold of you? Because I know I put it up there, but the spelling is wrong. So please, everybody write this down. It's artofpause1 at gmail.com. Art.of.pause1 at gmail.com. And so drop them a note, drop them a line and just say, hey, listen, drop it on me. <laughs> you know, yeah, and- I'd love to get together with anyone to teach them not just the art of pausing, but how to do this meditation, the bigger practice, the mindfulness, and how to make it work for them in their life. And I'll stay with you on weekly or monthly or whatever until you feel you know, you're launched and on your way. And then periodically in the future, in a personal way, you know, helping you to navigate life. Beautiful. This man has been my friend and I encourage you to have him as your friend as well. And one of the great things about what John teaches, and we have this belief amongst us, is that, you know, my saying is that those of us that dare to dream while the rest of the world is having a nightmare, you're not only going to enhance your life and the people around you, but you'll be beacons of example and possibility for other people as well. So take what John teaches you and not only use it for yourself, but show it to other people as well. And you'll be an example. So the question, the last question I want to ask you, John, is a lot of people say, okay, well, if you could go back to your, you know, 12 year old self and give yourself some advice, what would it be? I like to flip that script a little bit. If you could go 10 years from now into the future, what would you say to yourself 10 years from now? What would I say? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I say, I'm glad you're alive. (laughs) I'm glad you're alive. And, you know, with each day that passes, I'm more and more appreciative and way less fearful. And uh, I expect by 10 years from now, I will be just in a much more calmer and calmer and uh, really enjoying everything even more than I am now. Beautiful, beautiful. And that's good stuff to say to ourselves right now. John, 30 years, 30 plus years we've known each other, and you've made such an impact on my life. Uh, You've changed my life in so many ways and the trajectory of my life and from beginning to where it is right now. And I look forward to many, many more years of your friendship, your mentoring, your teaching. And I encourage anybody listening to look this man up and just do it. It's the name of the game. You know, it's not knowledge. You know, he's giving you a lot of knowledge, but doing it is what's going to produce the results. So as usual, remember that life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. And so part of the trick to life is to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. John Lewis Parker, thank you so much. I love you. you. Please give my love to the kids and Joan, and I will see you at the top. Bye-bye, everybody. Love you too. Bye-bye. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top. <laughs>